0: Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the indwelling presence of your Son, the Lord Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, your Spirit. And Father, um, we know that that is where we gain our strength from, in the midst of the fire. And we've heard tonight of many of the trials that our church family is going through. There are others, Lord, that have not been mentioned we pray for those unspoken ones. We pray for others, Lord, who are suffering various kinds of troubles, Lord, and maybe relationships in the home, needing a job or health, Lord. Father, we think of Dave and Jan here, especially tonight. And Father, as they take the next step and have that appointment, Lord. Lord, I just pray that, Father, you would open the doctor's eyes, give them wisdom, Lord, to make the right decisions, reveal what needs to be revealed. And, Father, we are asking that you would perform this miracle and you would lay your hand upon Jan and by your mercy and grace that you might grant healing, Lord, however you choose to do it, Lord. Many times through medicine, so Lord, we know that you can do it just by speaking the word. And so, Father, we commit Dave and Jan to you and pray that you would help them through the days ahead. Uh, strengthen them by your grace, Lord, we pray. And now, Father, we also want to pray for Caroline as she's going to be having this CT scan as well. Uh, Lord, just undertake for that and, and guide the doctors there too and, and give peace to Caroline. And all the rest of our church family, Lord, that are facing these decisions and difficulties, Lord. Thank you for your presence, and thank you for your peace. And now bless our time in the Word, we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing, everyone. If you'll take your Bibles, we're continuing our series, Steps of Elisha. And if you'll turn to 2 Kings with me, chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, <clears throat> and uh, again, it, I find Elisha, Elisha the prophet one of the most fascinating characters of the Old Testament to study because of his faith, his trust in the Lord, and all the testing that he had to go through, that the testing, testing that he faced. Uh, time and time again, and God used this man to minister to others in powerful ways. And, of course, we just finished, the last time we were together here Sunday night studying this, uh, we finished the story of Naaman. And we saw the the miracle of Naaman being healed of the leprosy. And so, uh, <clears throat> here again, Elisha had a great part in that, as God chose him to be used. But now we come to chapter 6. Now there's a little miracle tucked in here in the first seven verses, okay? So let's read this together. But I I did want to get to the next part of the chapter, um, which has much more written about the the story concerning Elisha, uh, king of Aram, and, uh, and Israel. But look at, look at verses 1 through 7. Let's read it together. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Behold now, the place before you where we are living is too limited for us. Let us go down to the Jordan, and each of us take from there a beam, and let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. And he said, Go. Now, the uh, how many of you have ever had to move out of your house because it's too small? Yeah, you ever had to make a change? All of a sudden, are cramped, you have children. Say, well, it's, it's, we need a change. We need more space and we need more room. Uh, and that's exactly what the sons of the prophet did. Remember the ministry, the schooling of the sons of the prophet, which Elisha was part of and, and a teacher of um <clears throat> these are men training for the ministry that god they felt god had called them to and what what is interesting the and it tells us something that they're coming to elisha and saying we need a new building you know it's just like some churches you know small tiny church and they're growing in numbers and they go we've got to, we've got to buy new property we got to build you know and then they have the building project and um but, but here, they needed a building project. But it tells us that the school was growing, doesn't it? Because that means that God is bringing more and more young men into the ministry. And so they needed a, a larger place. And uh, it, it reminds me, too, of, of, of our school here, Blue Mountain Christian School. Uh, I think we're up to close to 135 registered kids. And it's amazing. I mean we are bursting at the seams there is no more room here for Harley for for kids Uh, we we've divided the the well there to make two classrooms instead of one and uh, but the Lord has blessed and that's that's a sign there that the Lord's hand has been upon the school as we continue to honor him and so we're thrilled at that but here they come to Elisha and says we need the building and what does he say he says okay, go ahead and do it. What do they say next? They, verse 3, they said, Then one said, Please be willing to go with your servants. They wanted him to go. They didn't want to just do it without his overseeing the project, you know. They wanted his presence. And he answered, I shall go. So he went. Verse 4, He went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. Now, I know some folk in our church that cut down trees. One is sitting right up front here, Brother Dave Moyer. Uh, he he helped us out in such a tremendous way a number of years ago when he came over. Our trees on our street were were expanding. We have three trees in front of our house, and they were growing this way. They were covering the sidewalk, but they're stretching out into the street, and so they need to be cut, and uh Brother Dave was gracious enough to come over and he he brought his ladder and he did the did the trimming and the pruning of those trees Thank you Dave again I will never forget that but it's it's a it's a town my my uh son son in um, law uh my brother in law is a uh an arborist so up in Canada, so this cutting of trees down um there's you know Uh, You can imagine back in these days the primitive tools they were using. And so we find that out. Verse 5. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. Here he is chopping away at this beam, this, this wood, and suddenly... Maybe it's happened to some of you guys. You're chopping using an old axe and, phoo, the, you know, whether it's an axe or a hammer, flew off, that's exactly what happened. But what does this tell us about this young prophet, this, this guy that's in, in, in school learning for the ministry? It tells us that, first of all, he didn't have much money. Why? Because he had to borrow tools. You know, so he borrowed this axe, and he was concerned and worried because it would belong to someone else. He needed that. He asked somebody, "Can I use it to, to make our new building?" And here, the axe head goes into the water, <clears throat> and he is distraught by it. Any of you guys ever borrow tools from some other guy, and uh, and, and and you wrecked it? Or something happened to it, and you you know or or you lent someone else uh one of your tools or something, or ladies, and then maybe it was even a car, and then you got you got the phone call well that this guy was was so upset, and he didn't know what to do, so he tells elisha in verse six, then the man of God said, Where did it fall? and when he showed him the place. He cut off a stick and threw it in threw it in there into the water, and made the iron float and He said, "Take it up for yourself." so he put out his hand and took it here 's this tiny little miracle tucked away here, but a valuable one, I think again, remember that uh, back then. Iron was scarce, and so it was. It was uh, this was an most expensive tool you could have if you had something made of iron, and uh, any kind of tool or weapon made of iron. But what did what did Elisha do? He went over to the water. He took a uh, he went over, and what did he do? He cut a stick. He went over and said, "Here's a stick. I'm going to throw it into the water." And suddenly, what happened? The axe head the iron axe had began to float. It came to the top of the surface. Uh, only, only God could do that. We don't know why, you know, Elisha, uh, God probably told him, I want you to go and cut a stick and throw it in there. Why he used a stick, we don't know. But, but it was a simple thing. He threw it in there, and suddenly uh, it floats to the top. Everybody is standing there amazed. And then Elisha says, "Okay, fella, there's your axe head. Now go pick it up." Now God could have had that axe head come right out of the water. He could have he could have you know made a, a, a brand new axe head and, and 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 an axe for the man. But God had a purpose in this kind of miracle, and why do you think? it happened this way. I believe it was because God was wanting to teach these new upcoming prophets his power and that they might see firsthand what it meant to trust God when something happens in your life, when there's a loss. And this guy lost, lost this and thought he would never get it back and he would have to owe to pay back. This piece of iron to whoever he bought it from would have taken years. And so it floated up. But it's interesting that Elisha said, go pick it up. Why? Because Elisha wanted him to be part of the miracle. He wanted him to do something so that he actually was part of it, could actually pick it up and off the floating on top of the water, just lift it out. Do you think that prophet ever forgot this? No, I would have loved to have known, and if I ever get to heaven, love to ask this prophet, tell me the rest of your life. Because I can only imagine what kind of ministry this guy had after this happened. And, And God will sometimes do that in our lives. He will allow a test. And then we pray, we call on him. This man called by calling on Elisha, he's calling on God. But we call on the Lord. Sometimes God raises the axe head in our life. And other times he lets it lay down there. And that is his will. And we don't know what his will is, but we have to trust it. But as we pray whatever the answer is in my life i have to be willing to say thank you lord thank you for the answer to my prayer it might not be anything close to what i asked for it might not be the raising of the uh, of the axe it might not be the complete healing of the body whatever it is i don't know what's going to happen to my brother god does but I know my brother's faith is in the Lord. And he's trusting the outcome to him, whatever it may be. We are praying for the axe head to float. But we don't know if God's going to make it float. But we know this, that God is training us like this. Elisha, was, through uh, the Lord, was trying to train these young prophets about faith teaching them about faith. And that is why we, we read throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament that, that the purpose of our trials is that it might make our faith come out like gold, that it might be more precious than gold. It is to God. And so that our faith would become stronger and purer, and, and no matter what the answer may be, God wants us to call on him. So take this with you. Tuck it into your heart tonight. And, uh, and just trust him. And, uh, and how wonderful it is when, when we trust and say, Lord, thank you for the answer to prayer, whatever it is. But once that answer comes, God wants to make your ministry, your life, and your ministry, and we all have a ministry, to our family, to our friends, you know, to those in our community, and whether you're on the job or not, or retired, but each one of us has a ministry out there. You know, what God wants to strengthen our faith that we might look out, and then we, we tell others that, uh, that uh, my faith is in the Lord, and, and this is the way he answered. And they hear us uh, uh, that the way we're trusting God no matter what. So we have that little miracle to take with us tonight and and the application behind it. Then we come to verse 8. And uh, we're not going to get through all this tonight, so we're going to break this apart in our study and uh, follow up again with it next Sunday night. But let's pick it up now at verse 8. Now the king of Aram was warring against Israel and he counseled with his servants saying in such and such a place shall my camp shall, shall be my camp and the man of god elisha sent word to the king of israel saying beware that you do not pass this place for the arameans are coming down there and the king of israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. So picture this, okay? <clears throat> um, the Arameans and the, and the Israelites were at war, okay? And, <clears throat> and the king of Aram is counseling with his servants on, on setting up a plan how to defeat Israel, and they were going to ambush them. And God allowed Elisha to hear what was going on in the private chambers of the king of Aram. And God revealed it to Elisha. So it's almost like, you know, there was this espionage going on. This is what the king of Aram thought. He couldn't figure out how did somebody know about this because <clears throat> and the Israelites kept escaping. So we come to, to verse 11. Now the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you tell me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, he's saying, there's got to be a spy here. Which one of you is going over to the king and telling, what, telling him what we're talking about here? Verse 12 and one of his servants said no my lord o king but elisha the prophet who is in israel tells the king of israel the words that you speak in your bedroom <laughs> so there's one servant there that knows <clears throat> that that knows that elisha has is, is a counselor to the king. <clears throat> and uh, it, remember how uh, uh, Elijah was on the run from Ahab and Jezebel and that, but now sitting on the throne is Jehoram. And so he has a better relationship. He allows uh, Elijah to come in and he, he asks him for advice and so basically, uh, the relationship is much better. So now this one servant ha- knows that Elisha is close to this king. He, he advises him. And even though this king, Jehoram, is not following in the ways of the Lord, um, Eli- Elisha is trying to direct him there, back to the Lord. And, uh, <clears throat> but God here is protecting Israel. And so... The king is enraged, and he, he, what does he want to do? He wants Elisha. He, he says, verse 13, So he said, Go and see where he is, Elisha, that I may send and take him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. And he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night. And surrounded the city. So here now we have uh, Elisha in this little town of Dothan, and he has his servant with him, and here he his servant and Elisha are, you know, preparing for ministry, ready to do whatever God wants them next to do. But this king of Aram wants this man out of the way, wants to remove Elisha because he thinks somehow he's got a a bug set up in his his palace and hearing everything he's saying. And so we come to verse 15. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And alas, his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And many of you, and I know I have been there at a place in my life where that army, so-called army, whatever it is in my life that's threatening me, uh, I see them. And I see whatever it is that God has allowed to confront me. And of course, we know that Satan is behind it and his forces. And he comes at us in different ways, like he did Job, like we talked about. And there are those times where we, we just say, what am I going to do, Lord? We say to someone else, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have an answer for this. What do I do? And, and here's a, a young man, a young servant, who is, again, he is training for the ministry. Because remember where Elisha learned uh, and grew, uh, grew, grew to understand the ministry and was kind of an internship, under Elijah right so it is that this servant no doubt was a son of the prophets and here he is in Dothan and trying to learn and watch Elisha and learn from him but now suddenly fear grips him grips his heart what am I gonna do there are times in our life I'm just you'll stop and go Lord I don't know what to do now what do I do and suddenly we have fear in our eyes, in our heart, that just, it's natural. It's all natural to have that fear. And suddenly we, 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 we're frozen. What are we going to do? And we think this is the end. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it through. Here he's looking out and he sees all these horses and chariots circling around him. And he knows that, that, they're, they're, that they've come for Elisha. Look at Elisha's response in verse 16. And this is one of my favorite uh, miracles in the Bible and accounts. One of my favorite stories. Verse 16. So he, Elisha, answered the servant, Do not what? Fear. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What? Now, now, put yourself in the shoes of the servant. And the servant's listening to Elisha, and, and Elisha says to him, don't be afraid. They're more with us than they are with them. Now, I'm sure he knew some kind of math. You know, he was probably pretty, you know, he knew enough to go, he probably looked outside after Elisha said this, and he sees the, the horses and chariots, soldiers, and go, ten, 10. Then he comes back in and goes, one, two. You know, he's probably thinking in his mind, Elisha, this doesn't add up. How can you say that there are more with us than are with them? This is outlandish. This doesn't make sense. He, he, he can't get it. You know, and, and, and I wouldn't either. I would be the same thing. What do you mean there are more with us? And then Elisha begins to pray. You see, the difference here between the servant and Elisha is Elisha was looking at the whole situation through the eyes of faith. Elisha was trusting in the God who called him. And, and look what he says. Look what it says here as he sa- speaks to the Lord. Then Elisha prayed, verse 17, and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. All around Elisha. The invisible army of God was there. The servant, he couldn't see it because he didn't have the faith. Elisha, he knew that they were there. He knew the angels of the Lord and the Lord's chariots were there, surrounding them to protect them and to keep them in all their ways. Doesn't mean that they would never be harmed. Doesn't mean they'll never die. But we, he knew that he was in the protection of the Lord. And he knew the angels were there and Elisha could see through the eyes of faith. And so he calls on the Lord. He says, I want my servant, Lord, to, to understand what you're doing. And teach him faith. And so that's what he prayed. He said, Lord, what did he say? Open his eyes that he may see. So God then opened the physical eyes of, of Elijah, opened his, uh, the servant's eyes so that he could see the invisible. Can you imagine tonight if God allowed you and me to see the invisible and see his angels all around us right now? They, they're here. They're all around you, your family. God has sent them to watch over you, to protect you, to guard you, to fight against Satan and the, in his invisible forces. And this should bring comfort to our hearts and know that he is God. And Lord, though I can't see it with my physical eyes, I am going to see your angels with my spiritual eyes. And I'm going to believe you. Yes, Lord, you are going to take care of me. He saw the invisible, and suddenly his eyes were opened to see these chariots of horses of fire all around him. The other day, excuse me, uh, I I was able to get into the hospital, the good Sam, to see uh, Deb Deb Galley. Vanessa's Vanessa Williams mom Um, as you know and have heard if you're on the prayer chain that she has and Dale shared it but she's got a mass they found on wrapped around her lung and uh, and and uh, it is wrapped around her esophagus and she has so she she went to the ER with pain chest pain didn't know what it was and they found this mass then she went back to the ER the other night and uh, because she couldn't breathe because it's strangling her. And so th- it's the kind of mask they, they won't be able to remove with surgery. It's gonna have to be through treatment. Now they don't know if it's cancerous yet or not. So um, that they're gonna be testing. They're gonna be doing a biopsy. In fact, I, I sent a, um, a quick text to Vanessa today and asked how your mom is. And she said, she is home from the hospital. She got to sleep a little bit this afternoon, but she's still coughing. She's, she is allowed no activity whatsoever. Hopefully she listens. <laughs> so thankfully she's home, but she still has that cough, which this mass has caused. So the Lord timed it where I was able to go in to see her at night, one of the nights, and Vanessa was there with her. And I got to pull up a chair next to her bed. And uh, you could see Deb was concerned. See, she was, she knows the Lord. But she was seeing the enemy, this mass. And there was fear, as there would be in all of us at times. And I talked to her, but she started to encourage my heart. She said, you know, I'm su- I, she said, I'm suffering here, but when I think of what my Savior suffered for me, how can I complain? That's the kind of faith. She did have faith and trust and knew that somehow God was going to take care of her and work this out, even though she had some fears. And then, I don't know why, but the Lord laid it on my heart to say to her, do you know, Deb, that God's angels are all around this bed. They are in this room with you, and so is the Lord Jesus himself. Though you can't see him, he's here, and when you are here in this room all alone, he is with you, and you are being protected by his angels that you cannot see. And suddenly she just looked at me and said, I never thought of that. I, I, that, that idea never crossed my mind. And suddenly that, that truth took hold. She had a smile on her face and said, that is going to give me peace. How, how wonderful it was to just encourage her that around her are the angels. The, Lord, the angel of the Lord what? In camps round about those that who? That fear him. And remember that tonight, that the Lord has encamped around you tonight with his angels and his protection, and he will work out his plan and perfect will for your life. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you've taught us here tonight. Lord, to, again, through the steps of Elisha and his life, We have seen him being used of you to strengthen the faith of others. First, the prophet, the young prophet who needed his faith strengthened as the axe head was brought forth to the top of the water. And now the servant who needed strengthening in his faith, that you opened up his eyes that he could see the invisible and see your angels all around. Father, may we have the eyes of faith tonight. Give us, Father, that faith to be able to look out and realize that you are there, that Jesus is with us. Your Son, if His presence is with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that we know that your angels camp round about us. Father, help us to rest back in that truth and know that You are the God of all things. You are able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. Again, Lord, I commit each and every one of these precious saints here to you tonight. Encourage them in their faith. Take away their fear. And we thank you for the answers that will come as we walk by faith, not by sight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.